Good morning. I'm going to read Acts 25 and 26. Now, three days after Festus had arrived in the province, he went up to Jerusalem from Caesarea. And the chief priests and the principal men of the Jews laid out their case against Paul, and they urged him, asking a favor against Paul, that he summon him to Jerusalem, because they were planning an ambush to kill him on the way. Festus replied that Paul was being kept at Caesarea and that he himself intended to go there shortly. So, he said, said he, let the men of authority among you go down with me, and if there is anything wrong about the man, let, him, let them bring charges against him. After he stayed among them not more than eight or ten days, he went down to Caesarea, and the next day he took a seat on the tribunal and ordered Paul to be brought. When he had arrived, the Jews who had come down from Jerusalem stood around him, bringing many and serious charges against him that they could not prove. Paul argued in his defense, neither against the, Jew, the law of the Jews nor against the temple nor against Caesar have I committed any offense. But Festus, wishing to do the Jews a favor, said to Paul, do you wish to go up to Jerusalem and there be tried on these charges before me? But Paul said, I am standing before Caesar's tribunal where I ought to be tried. To the Jews I have done no wrong, as you yourself know very well. If then I am a wrongdoer and have committed anything for which I deserve to die, I do not seek to escape death. But if there is nothing to their, changes against, to their charges against me, no one can give me up to them. I appeal to Caesar. Then Festus, when he had conferred with, conferred with his counsel, answered, To Caesar you have appealed, to Caesar you shall go. Now, when some days had passed, Agrippa the king and Bernice arrived at Caesarea and greeted Festus. And as they stayed there many days, Festus laid Paul's case before the king, saying, There is a man left prisoner by Felix, and when I was at Jerusalem, the chief priests and the elders of the Jews laid out their case against him, asking for a sentence of condemnation against him. I answered them that it was not the custom of the Romans to give up anyone before the accused met the accusers face to face and had opportunity to make his defense concerning the charge laid against him. So when they came together here, I made no delay, but on the next day took my seat on the tribunal and ordered the man to be brought. When the accusers stood up, they brought no charge in his case of such evils as I supposed. Rather, they had certain points of dispute with him about their own religion and about a certain Jesus who is dead, but whom Paul asserted to be alive. Being at a loss how to investigate these questions, I asked whether he wanted to go to Jerusalem and be tried there regarding them, but when Paul had appealed to be kept in custody for the decision of the emperor, I ordered him to be held until I could see him to Caesar. Then Agrippa said to Festus, I would like to hear the man myself. Tomorrow, said he, you will hear him. So on the next day, Agrippa and Bernice came with great pomp, and they entered the audience hall with the military tribunes and the prominent men of the city. Then, at the command of Festus, Paul was brought in, and Festus said, King Agrippa and all who are present with us, you see this man and whom the whole Jewish people petitioned me, both in Jerusalem and here, shouting that he ought not to live any longer. But I found that he had done nothing deserving death. And as he himself appealed to the emperor, I decided to go ahead and send him. But I have nothing definite to write to my lord about him. Therefore, I have brought him before you all, and especially before you, King Agrippa, so that after we have examined him, I may have something to write. For it seems to me unreasonable, unreasonable in sending a prisoner not to indicate the charges against him. So Agrippa said to Paul, you have permission to speak for yourself. Then Paul stretched out his hand and made his defense. 
I consider myself fortunate that it is before you, King Agrippa, I am going to make my defense today against all the accusations of the Jews, especially because you are familiar with all the customs and controversies of the Jews. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. My manner of life from my youth spent from the beginning among my own nation and in Jerusalem is known by all the Jews. They have known for a long time, if they are willing to testify, that according to the strictest party of our religion, I have lived as a Pharisee. And now I stand here on trial because of my hope in the promise made by God to our fathers, to which our 12 tribes hope to attain as they earnestly worship night and day. And for this hope, I am accused by Jews, O King. Why is it thought incredible by any of you that God raises the dead. I myself was convinced that I ought to do many things in opposing the name of Jesus of Nazareth, and I did so in Jerusalem. I not only locked up many of the saints in prison after receiving authority from the chief priests, but when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them, and I punished them often in all the synagogues and tried to make them blaspheme. And in raging fury against them, I persecuted them even in foreign cities." In this connection, I journeyed, I journeyed to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests. At midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, that shone around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick, to kick against the goads. And I said, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and witness to things in which you have seen me and to those in which I will appear to you, delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles, to whom I am sending you to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Therefore, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared first to those in Damascus, then in Jerusalem, and throughout all the region of Judea, and also to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God, performing deeds in keeping with their repentance. For this reason, the Jews seized me in the temple and tried to kill me. To this day, I have had help that comes from God, and so I stand here testifying, both so small and great, saying nothing but what the prophets and Moses said would come to pass that the Christ must suffer and that by being the first to rise from the dead, he would proclaim light to our people and to the Gentiles. And as he was saying these things in his defense, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, you are out of your mind. Your great learning is driving you out of your mind. But Paul said, I am not out of my mind, most excellent Festus, but I am speaking true and rational words for the king knows about these things and to him I speak boldly. For I am persuaded that none of these things has escaped his notice, for this has not been done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you believe. And Agrippa said to Paul, in a short time, would you persuade me to be a Christian? And Paul said, whether short or long, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me this day might become such as I am, except for these chains. Then the king rose, and the governor and Bernice, and those who were sitting with him, and when they had withdrawn, they said to one another, this man is doing nothing to deserve death or imprisonment. And Agrippa and Festus, and Agrippa said to Festus, this man could have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar. Good morning. 
For those of you who don't know me, my name is Kyle DeLaporte. Uh, my wife, Amelia, just read uh, this very long set of passages to you all this morning. Um, we have been uh, attenders here at BC for a little over six years. Um, we have two boys, Micah and Philip. Um, they're probably going to be the loudest ones that you see running around. Um, and uh, so Amelia and I are both MC leaders, missional community group leaders here at BC. So if any of you have any questions about uh, what missional community groups are and how to get plugged in, uh, you can talk to Amelia or I after church. We can point you in a few directions towards some other MC uh, leaders. So uh, kids, uh, can you all raise your hands for me? All right, so this morning we are going to talk about a kind of a silly phrase uh, that Paul uses. Um, well, I guess, I guess Jesus uses it on uh, whenever he meets up with Paul on the road to Damascus, okay? Are you ready for the silly phrase? It is hard to kick against the goads. What, what do you think goads are? Kids. Philly, what do you think goads are? Sheep, goads. It has a D, no, not, not goats. It's a good guess, though. What do you got, Sai? Not goats. Anyone have anything other than goats? What do you think now, Philly? You've changed? Ghosts? Okay. What do you think, Marshall? Something. Something? You're on the right track. Okay. So, I guess you kind of all, except for ghosts, were on the right track. It's, it's affiliated with, with animals, okay? Goads are, do you all know what a, a cattle prod is? Any of you kids know what a cattle prod is? You do? What do you think, Zaylee? That's right. Okay, so it's something you use to poke cows to make them go in the right direction, okay? So the, the, the cattle herder, cattleman, uh, they, they want the cows to go in a certain direction, so they're going to use this prod to poke them to change their direction, okay? And that's exactly what a goad is, but they didn't have cattle prods, they had goads. So it's a sharp stick that they would use to poke oxes or any large animal to get them to move in a direction, okay? So whenever Jesus meets Paul on the road to Damascus, why do you think he says it's hard for you to kick against the goads? Why do you think he says that? Zaley? Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's hard. Okay. It's hard for him to go where it's hard. To, like, it's, it's challenging for him to move in, in a certain direction. It's kind of what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And, and I, think, I think that's kind of what it is. Okay. So what, what this is saying, so kicking against the goads, uh, the goads are the will of the cattleman, right? The, the will of the farmer to move the animal, right? So it's hard for them to, him to kick against the goats. It's hard for him to kick against what Jesus wants for him. It's hard for him to refuse to do Jesus's will, okay? So that's what Jesus is getting after. So, hey, kids, whenever you get home, um, ask your parents. And parents, engage with your kids, and it's going to require some vulnerability. Talk about um, some ways that, that you have resisted God's will. Maybe, maybe ways that you're resisting God's will right now. Talk with your children about that. Kids, confess those things with your parents. And then also, parents, talk, talk with your kids about, and kids, talk with your parents about 
uh, times whenever you, you have submitted to Jesus's will. And what, what was that like? What, what have those experiences been? What has God taught you through the times when you have resisted his will and the times whenever you have submitted or obeyed his will? Okay? All right. Um, I'm going to go ahead and pray, and then we'll get started. Oh, God, we thank you that you never leave our side. Um, Lord, we thank you that um, your love is steadfast, that, Lord, you meet us in our darkest places, that you uh, take us to the highest of highs, um, that wherever we are, Lord, you are there. Uh, you, you are acquainted with all of our ways, and still, as we know how often we fail to love you and to love our neighbor, that, lo- that Lord, you still love us. That, God, your love for us isn't contingent upon our performance. It's not contingent upon how many people we tell of, about the gospel, how, how many people we, how many old ladies we walk across the street, how, 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 how hard we work at our jobs, how good of a husband or, or wife we are, how good of a student we are. Lord, those things do not make or break your love for us. Your love is unending. It is based on who you are. And we, we come together this morning to thank you for that. And Lord, we know that because of your word, because you have revealed yourself in it. And so God, reveal yourself again. Transform hearts this morning. Uh, areas where we're walking in rebellion, Lord, c- call us into obedience. Areas uh, where we're walking in obedience, encourage us. Um, Stir us up to love and good deeds, we ask, and teach us now, Holy Spirit, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so a couple, uh, last week, you all finished up chapter 24, and at the end of chapter 24, we're, we're uh, hearing about Felix, who was the governor at the time. And so for about two years, Felix keeps Paul in prison to do a favor for the Jews, uh, he's not doing a favor for Paul because he knows that there's no real reason for Paul to actually be in prison. But he keeps him there anywhere, anyway to do a favor for the Jews. During that time, he's having a lot of ongoing conversations with Paul. Uh, he, he calls on him often is what, what it says. And he's also doing that in hopes that Paul's going to rummage up some money and bribe him to get out of prison. It doesn't happen. So, so for that, those two years, Paul is in prison. Okay, chapter 25, Felix is out of the way. Festus comes in. Festus is now the governor, okay? Um, and we like Festus uh, at the beginning. He, he starts off really strong, okay? Because he, he hasn't been in office for very long. He, he arrives in the uh, region of Caesarea, makes his way up to Jerusalem, and there is, is met with the chief priests and principal men of the Jews. They come to him, and they're like, hey, how about you do us a favor against Paul? You've heard about this Paul guy, right? He's the worst. So do us a favor against Paul and call on him to come up to Jerusalem. And we're just going to set a little ambush out there. Just look the other way. We want to take care of business. We want to kill him. And so Festus responds in verse four. Festus replied that, uh, that Paul was being kept at Caesarea and that he himself intended to go there shortly. So said he, Let the men of authority among you go down with me, and if there's anything wrong about the man, let them bring charges against him. 
So that's a, that's a, a right response, right? Festus comes in. It's, it, he's, he's new as governor. He's, he's excited to, to, to be the change he wants to see, okay? So he's staying true to that. Uh, he, he doesn't fall for it, but he does hang around and rub shoulders a little longer for about a week and a half with these chief priests and uh, these principal men of the Jews. After that, he heads uh, back down to Caesarea, takes a seat on the, on the tribunal, uh, calls Paul to himself, and then Paul opens the doors to see a lot of familiar faces. And, and, and not familiar faces in a good way. Okay, so before we go any further, I, I kind of want to try to get us into Paul's sandals a little bit. Okay, just in the mindset of where Paul might be as he walks in. Okay, so for, for a lot of us, I think we've grown up in church. We have like a childhood church uh, that we've grown up in. And, and in those churches, um, I want you all to think about uh, the faces of, of maybe a Sunday school teacher or a, a youth group leader, uh, a pastor, or like uh, just an, another man or woman who, who took an interest in growing you spiritually and developing you and teaching you how to love Jesus, how to walk in faith in, in, in this life. Okay, so as, as you think about those people, what, what comes to mind? What feelings are evoked? It's, it's love, right? It's respect. It's... it's um, it's thankfulness for these people. There's a lot of nostalgia that you have for these people, okay? But then, let's, let's say you walk into a courtroom, there's a judge, there's a, lined up these people that you love, that you remember, that you've done life with, that have poured into you and developed you into who you are today. And they're, they're scowling, and they're pointing, and, and they're saying things like, you are a plague, away with such a person from the earth. They, they don't deserve to live. You don't deserve to live. That would be so hard to hear. And that is what Paul is walking into right now. He's walking into to a situation where his accusers are former friends, are brothers, in, in, like Israelite brothers that he has served with, who have sent him out to, to serve and, and they are hurling many and um, audacious uh, accusations at him. And, and, and ones that they can't even prove is what, what, what this passage says. Like, they can't even prove what they're saying. They're willing to lie. They're willing to go that deep to, to make sure that there's a conviction of death for Paul. So it's not just that Paul's walking into a situation completely removed from emotion. It's not that he's simply arguing a case. He has to fight for his life against his friends. So he's following Jesus into that, right? It's reminiscent of Jesus. Paul's response is uh, pretty simple. It's not vindictive. It's, hey, I, I haven't done anything against the Jews, the temple, or against Caesar. Okay, it's, it's, it's simple, right? But then we see in uh, verse 9, But Festus, wishing to do the Jews a favor, said, said to Paul, Do you wish to go up to Jerusalem and there be tried on these charges before me? So it seems like Festus is kind of like jump ship, maybe the week and a half that he spent with the Jewish leaders uh, in Jerusalem made him think, okay, maybe this Paul guy is as bad as what you're saying. And so he's, he's willing to join the, the ambush in this. But Paul uh, sees through that, and he says, I'm right where I need to be. 
I am before Caesar's tribunal. This is where I need to be tried. I don't need to be moved there. Uh, if, if I have done anything wrong, put me to death. Paul's not trying to wriggle out of uh, the death sentence. He is calling for justice. Hey, if I've done anything wrong, put me to death. But if I, if I haven't, then you can't deliver me over to these people, which again, you can't deliver me over to these people like, like a sheep to slaughter. Like you can't hand me over to my once friends who now want to murder me. There's a lot of emotional weight in what is happening here. And so what he does is he says, uh, he says nothing about, um, you know that they're lying, right? Festus, you're aware of that. You don't even know why I'm here. So, so I'm actually going to call for them to be killed. They're lying, right? It's evident. So he doesn't call from, from a place of vindictiveness. He doesn't call for vindication. He calls for justice. He calls for release is what he calls for. Uh, and so then he decides to take the authority away from Festus and, and give it to Caesar. Okay, so he leans on the fact that he's a Roman citizen and says, I, wanna, I appeal to Caesar. I can do that. I'm, I, I, I don't want you to have any part in this. I'm going to the big guy. Okay. And so after uh, Festus talks it about with, uh, with his counsel, he says a, a killer line to Caesar, you have appealed to Caesar, you shall go. So you have to respect the writing there. That's really good. But uh, anyway, so, he, so now Paul is going to be on the road to the big guy, to the emperor, to Caesar, but not before he meets a couple of other characters, uh, King Agrippa and Bernice, Bernice, whichever works, but um, so he, he meets with Bernice, and uh, <clears throat> so we actually met uh, King Agrippa and Bernice's sister, Drusilla, in the previous chapter, in chapter 24. She is the wife of Felix, and she is Jewish, which probably means that King Agrippa is also Jewish, okay? And so uh, what happens is they show up in the town and Festus says, I'm going to lean on my, friend, my Jewish friend here to help me kind of figure out what's going on. I- I'm really confused about what I'm supposed to do with Paul, okay? So he gives him the rundown. He tells him all about the, the plot to kill Paul by these, by these Jewish leaders and uh, how he says, hey, I, he's a Roman citizen. I can't do that, right? Uh, so he, now he's on trial, and they're, they're bringing all these charges, and none of them seem worthy of the death penalty. What am I supposed to do about this? I mean, they're, they're bringing up this stuff about their own religion. They're arguing about this and about this dead guy Jesus that, that you know, uh, Paul asserts to be alive. I, I don't know what to do. Help me parse this. And so that intrigues Agrippa. And he says, hey, I want to I wanna listen to this guy for myself. So he sets up the meeting. And the next day, King Agrippa uh, and Bernice came with great pomp. And I don't know what pomp is at, in this culture, but they show up with it. And they show up flexing, essentially. Hey, we are important and we have arrived. Welcome us. Uh, and so they show up. Uh, Festus gives a quick breakdown, essentially just revisiting what he talked to Agrippa about. Hey, these guys, these Jewish leaders, they want Paul dead. I don't know why. There's no reason for it. Uh, and so, Agrippa, I'm leaning on you to help me figure out what I'm supposed to do because Paul wants to talk to my boss, and I'm new. And so, if I send him to my boss w- without any charges and calling him a prisoner as a Roman citizen, it is not going to look good for me. So, help me out, Agrippa. All right? The beginning of chapter 26. So, Agrippa said to Paul, You have permission to speak for yourself. 
Then Paul stretched out his hand and made his defense. I consider myself fortunate that it is before you, King Agrippa, I am going to make my defense today against, the, against all the accusations of the Jews, especially because you are familiar with all the customs uh, and controversies of the Jews. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. So he's, he's starting off saying, finally, I get to talk to a Jew. You're going to get me, okay? You're going you're gonna to understand what is going on. You're going to hear me out. But this is going to take a minute, so be patient. I got a lot to unpack here. Verse 4, my manner of life from my youth uh, spent from the beginning among my own nation and in Israel is known by all the Jews. They have, no, they have known for a long time, if they are willing to testify, that according to the strictest party of our religion, I have lived as a Pharisee. And now I stand here on trial because of my hope in the promise made by God to our fathers, to which our 12 tribes hope to attain as they earnestly worship night and day. And for this hope, I'm accused by Jews, O king. Why is it thought incredible by any of you that God raises the dead? I myself was convinced that I ought to do many things in opposing the name of Jesus of Nazareth, and I did so in Jerusalem. I not only locked up many of the saints in prison after receiving authority from the chief priests, these chief priests, the ones who are there, I I received authority from them to go do this, and I punished them often in all the synagogues uh, and tried to make them blaspheme. And in raging fury against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. In this connection, I journeyed to Damascus with the authority and commission of these these chief priests, of the chief priests that you see here. So as as Paul is uh, introing uh, his defense, he's, he's not demonizing his accusers, which is really interesting. He's not saying these liars, these terrible people that I would never associate with. He uses inclusive language. He uses the language of commonality. He says in verse 5, according to the strictest party of our religion. Uh, I'm on trial uh, in verse 6. Because of hope in the promise by God made to our fathers, to which our 12 tribes hope to attain as they earnestly worship night and day. How does he know that they earnestly worship night and day? He was with them earnestly worshiping night and day. These are his friends. These are the people who, who he gave him authority to go all over. And he, and he was good at it. He was a good mercenary. And he did it not, not reluctantly, But at the uh, end of verse 11, and in raging fury against them, I persecuted them, even to foreign cities. Boundary lines meant nothing to Paul when it came to killing Christians, snuffing out this movement of Jesus of Nazareth. That rage, fury are the words that Paul is using to describe the place from which he ran after these these Christians, and zealously killed them, okay? So if, if this is what's going on, it seems like they're walking in step, right? These Jewish leaders and Paul are working together. They should be fine. So what's the rift in the relationship? Where does that come from? In verse 13, 
At midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, that shone, that shone around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we had all fallen on the, to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And I said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and witness to the things in which you have seen me and to the things in which I will appear to you, delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I'm sending you to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Therefore, O King Agrippa, I was, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared first to those in Damascus, then in Jerusalem, and throughout all the region of Judea, and also to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God, performing deeds in keeping with their repentance. For this reason, the Jews seized me in the temple and tried to kill me. To this day, I have had the help that comes from God. And so I stand here testifying to both small and great, saying nothing but what the prophets and Moses said would come to pass. And that, uh, that, that the Christ must suffer and that by being the first to rise from the dead, he would proclaim light both to our people and to the Gentiles. So what is the rift in the relationship it, it is that Jesus of Nazareth met with Paul. And when he met him, he didn't show up with great pomp. He didn't show up like Agrippa and Bernice. He doesn't show up flexing his, his power with a myriad of angels, a heavenly host. He doesn't show up with that. He doesn't show up with a wagging finger and pointing at, at Paul and saying, here's a list of all of the people that you have imprisoned and murdered. These are my people, the people following me. He, he doesn't guilt Saul at this point. Instead, he, he meets him in the way that Jesus meets us, in the way that we see Jesus meeting people in the Gospels. He, he initiates conversation, and he does so intimately. Saul calls him by name, not, hey, murderer, you know, no, no, no condemnation here. Saul, Saul. This repetition, this, in the Bible, repetition is always showing emphasis, okay? So this Saul, Saul is really, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goats, right? His, his concern is not for, uh, for Paul to, to make building the kingdom of, of God challenging, that's, that's what he's doing. It's, it's not, hey, it's, it's hard for me to work against how good of a mercenary you are against killing my people. You make building the church hard, Paul. You're too good at, at, at what you do. It, it's not concern about his church in that way. His, his concern is for Paul. It's hard for you to do that. It, my, I don't like seeing you suffer like this, Paul, says Jesus of Nazareth, you know. Um, he meets him with grace and he meets him in a conversation. He invites him in. Who are you, Lord? 
which is a fitting response, right? That would be really scary. Who are you, Lord? Is what he, is what he comes back with. And, and Jesus makes himself known in, uh, in saying, I am Jesus uh, who, whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you to your death, is not what the passage says, okay? So it does not say that. But we think it should, right? Paul is deplorable. Like, Paul is happy. He, thro- he casts his vote against those who are martyrs. He says, even after they're dead, yes. He celebrates over their death. That is twisted. That is messed up. That is evil, right? And so it should be followed up with, I'm here to appoint you to your death. Let's, let's go. But instead, but rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and witness to the things in which you have seen me and to those in which I will appear to you. So what, what Jesus is doing is saying, I'm about to fix your heart and transform your heart, and I'm going to use what was once zealousness to tear down my church, to, to tear down the kingdom of God that I am trying to set up, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to flip that upside down. And now your zealousness is going to be for building the church, for establishing the kingdom of God. That's, that's what Jesus is able to do. And that's what he's going to do. He's going to send him with a message of good news. But also with that is going to come uh, an extra challenge. Uh, To appoint you as a servant and witness to the things in which you have seen me and to those in which I will appear to you, delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you. So he's, he's going to send him in not as a strong man, He's no longer going to be Saul, the persecutor, instilling fear everywhere. He's he's no longer going to be that. He's now going to be protected by God. Jesus is calling him into weakness, into being one who merely proclaims. He's he's going to change his heart from one that is is not uh, full of rage and anger against his enemies, but a heart that is full of compassion and desires good for those who hate him. The issue that is going on in here, the rift in the relationship is that for Paul, he is saying, the resurrected Jesus of Nazareth has met me. He, he is the one to whom the, we all look. The promise that God made to our fathers, he's here. Why is it hard for you guys to, to understand that God would raise someone from the dead? He just kind of blurts that out in, in a stream of consciousness, and, and it, it didn't really fit, but it's just like his heart had to say it whenever he's in that conversation with them. Why is it so hard? Oh, okay, I got to get back. I got to focus here. For him, he met Jesus. He understands who he is. And so uh, this, this passage finishes out with, Fest is saying, hey, Paul, you're pretty much, you're a psychopath. You're crazy. You're learning a lot. You're learning too much. You're watching too much YouTube, too many podcasts. You're overwhelmed, and now you don't make any sense, okay? Uh, Information overload. And and Paul says, I I beg to differ. Like, I'm I'm speaking boldly, but I'm also speaking rationally. Ask ask Agrippa. Agrippa, you, 
you believe the prophets, right? You know them, you believe them, right? And then Agrippa says in uh, verse 28, uh, let's see. And Agrippa said to Paul, in a short time, would you persuade me to be a Christian? And Paul said, whether short or long, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me this day might become such as I am, except for these chains. So, so what are we learning here in Paul's story? What, what, what is so, what's so miraculous about this? It, it, is, it is that there is power in the gospel <laughs> that Jesus is able to truly and forever transform people's hearts. And our hope is in that, right? If he is, if Jesus is able to transform Saul, who is the worst, he's able to transform, transform his heart from being this rage monster, psychopath, you know, just full of zealousness for, for killing people and to transform that into saying those words, whether, whether in a short time or a long time, I would to God that he would save you accusers, man, that God would save you. Um, this passage gives us hope that the worst can be saved. Pa- pa- Paul can be saved. You all know your own minds. You all know your own thought life. You all know what you do behind closed doors. You all know what you wrestle with. And, and in a lot of ways, we are Paul. We, we hate we, we stir up strife. We stir up division. We're petty. We want things that we shouldn't have. We want what other people have. We're the worst. We're the Pauls, right? But Jesus can transform our hearts. The person and work of Christ can, can fix what is broken in us. There, there is no one who is too far gone from that. I'll go ahead and pray. Jesus, we thank you so much um, for, for your kindness, um, for the way that you approach us, that you are slow to anger and you are abounding in steadfast love, that you are not a hot-tempered man who stirs up strife, but you are, you are one who is slow to anger. You quiet contention, Jesus. You quiet the, the wrestles that we have in our hearts, and we don't deserve you. We don't deserve it, God. We are Paul's. We murder in our hearts. Lord, we are aware of it. You are aware of it. And we thank you so much for meeting us graciously, for meeting us with forgiveness of sins. Lord, we, we ask that you would send us out this week as as people full of confidence in the fact that you are who you say you are, you are resurrected King Jesus, that if you are so willing to work on us, the worst people we know, that Jesus, there is hope. There's hope for family members. There are, there's hope for coworkers. The people that you are calling to mind right now, Lord, there is hope for that person. Send us out to be missionaries, making much of you and bringing your kingdom, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.